basically is on the area of mission. <clears throat> and we're, this is the third component of discipleship. We're looking at um, Mark 1, the idea of follow me, this is obedience, and I will make you, which is transformation, and then Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, and this is the idea of mission, that we're really bringing this hope, this living hope of Jesus, to a world that desperately needs him. In light of this, we have our commitment to mission. We have the four commitments, a commitment to pray. This year, we're going to be praying for uh, brothers and sisters, or for friends who we know of that we want to share the gospel with, and we want them to receive Jesus as Savior. We're going to train. We're going to be uh, learning how to share the gospel. We're going to invite. We're going to really ask that God will enable us to invite friends to come. And we're going to walk and ourselves really go and ask that this year, God will give us the opportunity to share the gospel with someone. So as we look at these commitments, even today in our Life Bible class, we've been talking about, you know, Anne was able to teach on the area of prayer and evangelism. So if you're not attending the class, there's still time. We meet at 9.30 uh, before worship, and it's a, just a wonderful opportunity to continue to learn and to grow in skills of sharing the gospel. Next week, uh, we'll be handing out little prayer cards, and these cards uh, will have um, the opportunity for us to join together in terms of praying for uh, people that we want to receive Jesus Christ. Christ. And then today on your seats, you have these uh, inviting cards, and these are um, to help us to pass it out to other people, to let people know that this is what Living Hope is talking about. Leave it on the coffee table or leave it uh, you know, at work or wherever you want to leave it. And this is the opportunity, again, to, to invite people to come and join us in worship. And as you look at the card, in these next few months leading up to Easter, we're going to be engaged in a new sermon series called Worthy. And the idea of this is that God is not just worthy of our consideration. He's worthy of our praise. And we're going to be starting this week, we're going to be looking at uh, delving into the study of the Psalms. And we're going to be looking at the different attributes of God. We'll be looking at his holiness, his righteousness, his mercy, his sovereignty. We'll be looking at how these attributes point us to Jesus and his perfection as the Son of God. And most importantly, we'll be looking at how our understanding of, of God really enriches and empowers us to live in ways that, uh, that we never thought possible. And so today we're going to kick off our series by looking at the importance of worship. Now worship is described as the appropriate response of creation, that's us, to the greatness and the worthiness of God. And so when we come each Sunday, we come to respond to the greatness of God. That's why we sing, that's why we pray, that's why we listen to God's word. And, 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 but the significance of worship is not just what happens here in this hour, but also it's like a, what I would think of as a spiritual charging station. Now again, see nowadays everything's electric, right? We have electric cars, electric phones, we have electric books, and now you have those electric you know, pads on your table that you put everything on there to charge everything up because we need we need charge for everything now. To even to read, we need it. Now at home, Rita and I, we have electric toothbrushes, okay? And, um, and electric toothbrushes, it's pretty cool because you don't have to 
wrestle vigorously. In fact, they say don't press too hard on your tooth because you let the toothbrush do the work. And it's interesting because when you charge up the toothbrush, like when you first charge it up overnight and you start it, turn it on, it's like really, really powerful. You can feel it just like it barely touched your teeth and it's like, oh man, it's so powerful. You could feel your whole mouth vibrating from it and you're like, wow, this is really cleaning my teeth really well. I just have to kind of slowly just touch each part and it's just, everything's clean. Now, again, as the week goes on, you can feel that charge. You can literally feel that charge weakening. Uh, you can feel like when you get to about Wednesday, you can feel the charge is not so powerful anymore. It's still there, it's still moving, but it's not that powerful. And, and you can just slowly kind of feel it weakening. And then by the time you get to the end of the week, you can feel it's almost like just barely like this slowly and you have to maybe help a little bit. Now, if you need to brush and it just happens that the brush actually runs out of charge completely, and you know you can't charge it up, then you have to do it by hand. And you know, when you're used to electric toothbrushes, doing by hand with this big bulky thing is kind of hard. You're like, oh, oh, you know, brushing like this. And it's not very effective because you have this big bulky toothbrush and you're trying to brush it in a conventional manner. And this is the picture I think of when I think of worship. It's like worship in the spiritual life, when you come out of worship on a Sunday, when, you know, when, when things are clicking on a Sunday and you know, the, the music is speaking to you and the sermon is challenging you and, and the fellowship and, and the prayer and, and the praise and you walk out of church and your heart feels like, I feel so good. I feel like God is so great. I feel like you know, we could take on the world you know, and, and God's going to do so many things and I'm just ready to, to go to work and go to school or do whatever and, and, and really live for God. And that's like your charged, fully charged toothbrush, like right? it's firing on all cylinders and you're like really excited. And as the week goes on, you get to Wednesday and Thursday and you could start to feel like the, the spiritual power. It's still there, but it's kind of weakening a little bit. It's like, oh, it's not as powerful as before. Oh, I'm starting, you know, worrying and things like that. Well, it's because why? Because the world and its influences are starting to, to seep back into our lives. You know, we're starting to hear people complaining. We're starting to see these things on TV. And, and, and that spiritual uh, charge is starting to, to die a little bit. And, you know, as the week goes on, you know, we're like, I can't wait to get back to Sunday to charge back up again. Now, if, if we miss Sundays or we miss for quite a while and your charge actually runs out, like your spiritual charge actually runs out, and then you resort to trying to live your spiritual life on your own strength. And then it really feels like a burden. It feels really like, oh, this is so hard. It's so awkward. It's, 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 a, it's a chore. It's because we're not living the spiritual life you know, with the, with the filling of the Spirit, with the power of the Spirit that, that God provides. You know, every time we come to church, every time we have these opportunities to, to, to get into God's Word in our spiritual lives, in our, in our times of, of, of prayer with Him, these are the times when our life gets charged up with the Spirit of God, which gives us that strength and, and joy of being able to face each week and each trial and each uh, challenge uh, of the week on and on and, and, and that's really what I feel like like worship 
is, is, a, is a major part of that, that every Sunday when we come together, this is such an important part of our week that we can get charged up and listen to God's word and really pray together and, and sing praises out loud and, and hear God's people talk about, you know, sing about how great God is how wonderful he is, what, what, a, what a joy it is to be a child of God, and, and, and feeling like, man, we can take on the world because the things of this world, you know, Satan and, and the things of this world are nothing compared to the power of God. And that's what we feel like, you know, really we feel like when we come out of worship. And, and that's the, 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 the importance of why we, we come together to worship God each Sunday. And so I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 21, verse, uh, 29, verse one. Psalm 29, verse one. And let's stand together in reverence for the word of God. And speaking of oldies, if this first verse sounds familiar to you like a song, that means you are in the same age as me when Maranatha had this wonderful song based on this passage. But it says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name and worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned up over the flood and the Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Psalm 29 is a beautiful psalm that, that deals with the power of God revealed in nature. If you look at this psalm, it is composed entirely of praise. There's actually no request in this particular psalm at all. And what the, the context is, David is witnessing this frightening thunderstorm that's moving across the land, and it reminds him of the power of God displayed in nature, and also the power of God that is available to his people. And the main idea of this passage is that our worship is directly connected to whether we live in power or defeat. So there are three things we want to see about worship in this passage that relate to how worship really does change the way we live day to day, week to week. The first thing we want to look at is really the very nature of worship. Now, worship is really the idea of ascribing to God the glory that is due his name. In verse 1, it says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. The first three verses use this word ascribe, which means to attribute. It means to give glory to God that is befitting or give to him what is befitting of his character and his reputation. It means really literally to give God the credit that he deserves. 
Now, David writes this poem, and it's being inspired by a natural event, a thunderstorm. And he describes it in very powerful imagery. That's, that's poetry for you. He says, the ground is shaking. He says, it's like the trees are bursting into splinters. Uh, the, the forest is being stripped bare. And this is like a, the natural, in this natural display of this power, if you can imagine it, he, God is, uh, uh, David is saying, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, this great power. Now, this word, O heavenly beings, is literally, O sons of God, in, in the Hebrew. Now, this creates a very interesting interpretational challenge because, you know, who are actually the sons of God? Are the sons of God people like us? No, because the Bible very doesn't, the Old Testament particularly does not use the sons of God to refer to people at all. Uh, could it be the angels? That's possible uh, and probable, but again, not sure exactly, you know, because again, angels are not necessarily called the sons of God. Another possibility is that God, that David is calling out the so-called gods, pagan gods, to bow down to God. See, the Canaanites often referred to their pagan gods as the sons of God. That was really clear. And in fact, in David's time, the most prominent pagan deity, Baal, and we hear about Baal all the time, he was considered the god of the storm, the god who controlled the storm, the god of lightning and thunder. And he was the son of God. And, 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 and David is saying, whether he's referring to the heavenly host or whether he's calling out the false gods, David is saying everything in creation must bow down and acknowledge that God is the only God of heaven and the only God of earth, that we must attribute to him and him alone the honor and glory that is due his name. He is literally saying this bold proclamation, there is no other God except God alone. There should be no other God except God alone. We cannot have any other gods in our lives. And I want to show you this YouTube clip because I really, whenever I watch this clip, it just really makes me smile, but it reminds me of this idea. So let's go ahead and, let's see, yeah, this clip. Dad of the year. <laughs> and cheering, he's so happy. Now, I love this because you look at this little child and you see like the joy. He's so excited. He's like jumping up and down and, 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 he, you know, the, and, the, and the father too. You can see the father. The father's so excited. The father's not saying, hey, I did that. You know, the father's like, he's excited to see his son jumping up and down. And when I look at that child, you know, he's like, you know, he's probably like two years old, right? Barely can hold the ball, okay? He does not, there's no way that he can make that shot. Absolutely no possible way that he can physically throw the ball more than maybe six inches above his head. And yet he throws with all his might and he looks down and when he's looking down, his father grabs it and throws it in the basket and just in time for him to look up and see the ball go into the basket. Isn't that great? And it's like, he, you know, he looks at it and he just like, he sees the ball go into the basket and he's just like, the, the kid is just like, the boy's just like, he's just so thrilled. He's just jumping up for joy. It's like the, the most wonderful thing that ever happened in his life. And what's invisible to him 
is the father standing next to him that actually grabs the ball and makes the basket. And I feel like this is like us. You know, when we see the victories in our lives and, and the joys and the accomplishments in our lives and, and with God there beside us, you know, when our child uh, gets into the college that, that they've always wanted to and we're so excited, you know, when, even when we enjoy a, a good meal or, or, or have a good time uh, spending time with old friends or we make a new friend or at work, you know, we finish, finally finish that project or we come home and every day and, and we enjoy all the good things that God has provided every day and we rejoice, and we're so happy, and we're excited, and, and, and God is, is the provider of all of these things. God is the one who, who makes the basket for us, and God is the one that's standing behind us going, you know, we're all like, yeah, you know, and God's behind us going, yeah, he's like so excited, he's so happy for us, and, and I look at that, and I say, you know, what worship is just turning around and acknowledging that, that God is the one who did it, that we can jump for joy with our dad and say, wow, you know, praise God, you know, my, my daughter got into the college, oh, my son made it through the first year, or oh, my child just got married, or, or whatever it is, you know, we're just so happy and so excited, and, and this is what I feel like when we talk Talk about giving God the glory for the good things and, and the joys and the miracles that we see in our lives. Things that we know that we could never, you know, we could never get that ball anywhere close. And yet God is the one who does it. And that also reminds us that when we take credit for something that God has done, then we, we rob God of some of his glory. I mean, God still rejoices with us. He's still happy. But, but when we don't turn around and acknowledge that, that this is God's work, we think, well, I'm the one. You know, that kid goes out next day and goes with his friends and say, you want to see something I can do? And he tries it. He's not going to be able to do it, right? When we attribute success or accomplishment to something other than God, Oh, you know, I, I, you know, I was in a good place, or I just happened to be the right place at the right time, or, or things just fell in, into place for me, or I always make sure that I'm, you know, right there when I need to, or I'm, I'm thinking ahead. When we attribute our success and accomplishment to something other than God, we, we rob him of his glory. When something good happens and something wonderful happens and we don't give glory to God for the things that he has done, we rob him of his glory. And so worship again is turning around and acknowledging that God is the one who did it. That we can jump for joy. Yeah, we'll still jump for joy, but we will jump for joy with God. In, in rejoicing in the things that he has done. That we can glory and give God glory for the things that he alone deserves. And that's the first aspect of what the nature of worship is. It is giving God the glory and the honor that he deserves for the things that he has done and the things that he does in our lives, even just week to week. And so, so that's um, the, the nature of worship. The second thing we will look at is the measure of our worship. And the measure of our worship is based on our personal understanding of God. Basically, if worship is indeed a response, then that means our concept of God is key to worship. If we, how we respond to God is directly related to how we view God. 
how we understand his attributes. And David highlights several in this psalm. In verse two, he says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. This is literally splendid in his holy attire. That's literally what it says in the Hebrew. And it evokes this idea in poetic terms it, it describes God's holiness as his attire, what he's wearing. And this evokes kind of the spectacle of when the priesthood, when the priests would stand together and call the people to worship, they would be dressed in these beautiful white garments with, um, with the uh, ephod, with, their, with all of their regalia, and they would, they would call the people to come and worship God, and, and the people would see these priests you know, standing out there and, and dressed in white. Or another picture is, is a king who walks out in his kingly garb. When a king would walk out and you would see the display of, of his glory in the way he's dressed, and everybody would ooh and awe and, and worship you know, and, and say how wonderful he is. And, and David uses this picture described to describe the holiness of God. And he says, when God makes his glorious entrance, he's robed in holiness. That the people ooh and awe and they, they bow down before the brightness of the holiness of God. Holiness in its purest form is beautiful to behold, awe-inspiring. It's, it's to behold complete utter perfection we have never seen anything like this you know in 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 our, in our lives complete perfection and that's the first attribute this idea of holiness uh, the second attribute is the power of god and actually in this uh, in this um, psalm the, the, the power of God is the main focus. And he says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf. This literally means like a calf is like jumping up and down. So he makes the entire, uh, um, the entire land of Lebanon jumping up and down, meaning like literally shaking like a, an earthquake. And... Um, and Syrian, which is a giant mountain, like a young ox, again, moving up and down. Um, the voice of the Lord flashes uh, flames of fire, uh, shakes the wilderness, shakes the wilderness, Kadesh, uh, makes the deer give birth, uh, strips the forest bare. And when all of these things happen, the temple, and in his temple, everyone cries out glory to God because of the power of God. See, the emphasis on this is, is this idea of the voice of the Lord. And, and this, this is so appropriate because, you know, uh, David is writing this in a, in a thunderstorm. And if you've been in a thunderstorm, you know, you hear, you're, you're sitting at home and you hear this, this loud crash. And you're like, whoa, that's thunder. Can you imagine if you're outside, you know, in a field or somewhere and you hear this, this really loud thunder? Um, and, and you can imagine when the thunder cracks and rumbles and David says, this is, you know, this, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the voice of the Lord, the power of God, that even the whisper of God would be like this, this thunder that goes across the land. It says the mighty voice of God 
actually breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Now, the cedars of Lebanon were known at that time as some of the largest, most spectacular trees in the whole region. These trees supplied the building materials for all the structures throughout the Mediterranean, from Egypt all the way to Mesopotamia. They came to Lebanon to get these uh, building materials. The pagan gods or the pagans believed that the gods themselves dwelt in fortresses that were built by the cedars of Lebanon. You'll write, they'll, they'll write that in their, in their mythology. And, and, and David is saying, with God's simple voice, he shatters these mighty trees into toothpicks. The places that these foreign gods say that they've built these fortresses up, the places where the great and mighty Egypt has built these dwelling places, God just goes, and then this whole forest can just be like broken into splinters. You know, he makes Lebanon skip like a calf um, and Syrian like a wild ox. You think about these are the mountains of, of Lebanon, the range of the mountains of Lebanon. And it, 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 it's, it's like, it skips like a frightened calf, like a little frightened calf, like, oh, you know, like this. And it's like the ground is shaking like this and saying, wow, the, the, the mountains just shake. When they think about, when they hear God's voice, the mountains themselves are shaking. And I remember when I was a young believer, my Sunday school teacher took out this little plastic bag. He, got, he came back from Hawaii, this trip in Hawaii. He got this little plastic bag, and it had this gray powder in it. It was really fine powder. He passed it around, and we all got to, you know, kind of, at least within the bag, feel it. It was like baby powder, really, literally like baby powder. And um, the teacher said, what you're holding in your hands right now is volcanic dust. And he says, what you're holding in your hands right now used to be solid rock. Like 10 feet of solid rock. Like, like mountains, volcanoes of, of just you know, 10, 15, 20 feet of solid rock. And with one blast of the volcano, it turns a solid rock into the fine dust that you're holding in your hand. I mean, you could blow on it and it would just in the air, it would just gone. And he said, that's the power of God. And I was like, whoa. And I always remember that. And I still remember holding that dust in my hand. Saying, this is the power of God. I said, man, you don't, you don't play with God. You don't play around with God. He is a God of infinite power who with just a word can lay waste to an entire forest of trees, turn solid rock into fine dust. And this is the power of God, and we'll see later, that is available to us as we live in this world and as we face the things that we face. The third attribute is that of authority, the authority of God. It says that, you know, the voice of the Lord uh, refers to God's authority over creation. When somebody says, I just have to say the word and it will happen. Or they'll say, you know, I just have to make one phone call and I'll do it and, and it'll be done. What are they saying? They're saying, I have authority. I have people. I, I have connections. I can get things done with just a phone call, with just a word, or you just say the word, and boom, it'll be, it'll be done for you. So, so this idea of, of, of voice, of, of speaking, is the idea of authority, and verse 10 reinforces that. The Lord sits over the flood. He sits enthroned as a king forever. Now, the flood here refers to the universal flood, because there's no other flood written in the Bible, the universal flood at the time of Noah. And the universal flood is a flood that really the waters just covered the entire earth. You could not see even the highest mountaintops. You could not see any trees. There's no evidence of anything. The entire earth is completely 
covered with water, just water, wiped out the entire earth. And, 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 and it says that God is seated above this, that the waters cover everything. Wow, we bow down to the waters because even the mountaintops are covered with water. You can imagine where my house is compared to the water of the mountaintops. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, a mile below it and these waters just cover over the whole thing and there's no way that anything can survive and yet God is seated above the flood and this is this picture of God as ruler over the creation. He is a sovereign king who, who rules over the flood. He rules over all the people. He rules over my entire life. He rules over every single event and every circumstance of my life. He rules over all of the, the struggles and the difficulties that, that I may face in my life. All the powers and, and principles in this world or in the, the, in, in, in the other world. Um, he rules over them. He's glorious in his holiness. He is powerful. His voice is powerful. In his throne, he, he rules over all these things. This is what it means to ascribe the glory that is due to God, the measure of our worship grows as we begin to understand really what the power of God means when we think about what he can do, the authority of God in terms of his, his authority over every aspect of our lives. We can't do anything unless God says, Okay, I, I permit that. No one can do anything to us unless God says, okay, I permit that. And so this is, this is the power of God. This is the God that we worship. And the, the last thing we want to see is really the effect of worship. And that is that worship makes the difference between living a life of defeat and living a life of victory. Now we say, is it that dramatic? Well, yeah, I believe it actually is. Look at the final verse in verse 11, and this is where he kind of brings like his prayer. Uh, he says, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. So the focus of this psalm is on the power of God. The power of God that shatters cedars, that strips the forest bare, that God is over all gods, there is no other God. That everything that is good has been accomplished because of his strength and his will. And that every difficulty that we have faced, no matter how heartrending, it is experienced under the loving care of God. And in this final verse, we see this remarkable statement that God gives this same strength to his people. That's, 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 that's the end. That's what David is saying to his people who have come to worship. May this power of God be available to you now as you live in this place, uh, as you are given this mission to shine for the, the, the goodness of God and the truth of God, even amidst all of the enemies that surround you. When Jesus, when Jesus calmed the storm, when he walked on water, when he changed the water into wine, when he commanded the demons to flee, when Jesus Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. This, this authority and power he confers now 
to his faithful followers. Remember when he sent out the disciples and he said, so how did it go? And the disciples said, wow, even the demons obeyed us. Which is, this is crazy, Jesus. We couldn't believe it. And Jesus says, well, what do you think was going to happen? Do you really think the servants of the evil one could be any match for the power and the authority of God? No enemy will have the power to hurt you, to influence you, to stand in your way as you walk faithfully and you work faithfully for the kingdom of God. God is the God of the storm. God is, Jesus is the resurrection and life. The spirit of God is a spirit of power who lives in you, in me. And David says, I pray every day that you realize this power of God in your lives every day of your life as you walk with him. That's what we expect in this new year. That's what we pray for in this new year. That when we take God's commands and commissions seriously, when we walk out in faith to do the things that honor him, that we will see God's power made available to each one of us. And so as we take communion, this first communion of the, the decade of 2020, let us really come before God to recognize this is the God we worship. This is the God who deserves all the glory and the power and the strength. And that, that, that I will leave this place renewed and recharged to walk in this same strength of God. And so we invite everyone to, who is a, if you're a believer, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, you can come and, and share in the communion. And, and this is a, the communion is a reminder of how this power may, was made available to us, and that's through the body of Jesus Christ, which was given to us, representing the bread and the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us, represented by uh, the cup. And as we take these things, we're reminded of, and we, we proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his power. And so let's go ahead and let's spend some time in prayer right now. And when you're ready, please come and take the elements and really this time join together with groups of people and pray the power of God in each other's lives. Pray that this year we will really see the power of God. Whether it's through the struggle, some of us are facing some very, very difficult struggles even as the year begins and we're not sure how we're gonna get through it, but we pray the power of God into those lives. Some of us have challenges that we face ahead and we're not sure how they're gonna get done but we pray the power of God that he will give strength to his people. Some of us are excited to, to just go and, and do lots of stuff and maybe we just need to slow down a little bit and say before we do all these things, let's pray the power of God so that the things that we do will really actually be the fruit of the spirit of God. And so go ahead and when you're ready, please do come and take the, take the elements and, and, and gather together in groups and just really pray the power of God upon each other and upon yourselves.